Är er du glad i anger? Genom Acasts supportersystem kan du visa din stötte till mig. Det är er självklart helt upp till dig hur mycket du önskar och bidra med. Klick på länken i podcastbeskrivelsen för att stötta podcasten. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. I dagens episode av Anger så snakker jeg og gjesten engelsk. Det er en første, det er første gang det. Og det var, det var litt uh, urart for mig i starten, for det er veldig sjelden jeg snakker engelsk så lenge. Jeg er jo veldig vant til å skrive musik og søng og skrik på engelsk. Men å liksom skal ha en uh, Anger-samtale på engelsk, det var, det var litt... Um, jeg gruer mig litt på forhånd Fordi at jeg vet aldrig helt Hvordan jeg skal ordlegge mig, Men det gick ganske bra Jeg fikk skryt av gjesten Så her er greit Her gikk greit Det var veldig, veldig trivelig prat Sivert Mo heter jeg Velkommen til Anger I dag er Dan Hesket på besök i Anger. Han är er musiker och låtskriver och gitarrist i gruppen Casa Murillo. Hans förhåll till Anger handlar mest om det att undgå och dritsa ut och anger på ting han ikke fick gjort. Vi snackar bland annat om Casa Murillos comeback efter fem år och Kolles coronasituation ändrade helt måten det nya albumet var til, som vart lagd hem och med billig och lite utstyr om att misslik en stor del av egen musik om ett möte med en föredragshåller på en kanaltur som ändrar perspektivet på livet. En hel del om kärlighet och sharking och en god del om hur den här situationen har gjort det artigt att lag musik igen. Nu starter vi. I'll start by saying welcome to Anger or regret uh, have we started? Yeah, we started now. All right. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Hello. Uh, because this is the first time I've, I'll be talking English. Yeah, I know. I've been thinking about that for your listeners. I thought maybe I'd say something to try and like earn their respect or something. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Hi, allesammen. Veldig fint å få vare på den fabelaktige podcast som jeg har blitt en ny... Det är väldigt väldigt fint då. Yeah. Yeah, because you started listening. Yeah, I've been listening the last few days. Well, you 
this is my first time on a podcast. I'm happy that you're. This is your first. Well, yeah, and it's a, it's a very exciting moment. Mm-hmm. It also does make me wonder. Well, like this was my first question to myself: was yeah. if you're willing to invite me on your podcast as a guest, how good can your podcast actually be? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'm not sure I want to be a fan of a podcast that's willing to have me on as a guest. <laughs> You're talking uh, yourself really down. <laughs> well, I, you know, it came a bit out of the blue. I'll tell you what, I'd ask you, why Why did you ask me on the podcast? You did ask me as well uh, on uh, Messenger. Hmm. You actually asked a lot of questions that I really appreciated because a lot of my guests uh, are just, um, should I be prepared for something or... But you you were like willing to be a brilliant guest. <laughs> you you wrote that, and <laughs> well, yeah, don't say that. <laughs> I was saying, yeah, look, but I like that. If you're going to be a guest on a podcast, and you've got this is 141, 141 yeah. podcast is amazing. That is an amazing achievement. Small Thanks. micro round of applause. Thanks, and um, that is amazing. So why wouldn't you want to be one of the best ones? And then it's the true. question is, how would you do it? And then it's about who's your audience mm. and what are their expectations. So I don't know how many followers, listeners you've lost within the first few minutes of this podcast because we're speaking think. English. I, I really think people will find that interesting. Well, let's hope so because we're, yeah. we're here now. There are some older uh, in the audience. My parents, I don't think they'll be listening to this. No, I'm really sorry. Because they don't speak a lot of English and that's weird. You know, my Swedish don't really... They don't? Well, they do. They speak great, but it was quite funny. So I moved here to Norway, Tol Orsia, 12 years ago. Yeah. And couldn't speak a word of Norwegian. I did the whole cliche move for love thing, which I might tell you that story. <laughs> it's quite a good one. But anyway, and I got, and I'd been here for two or three weeks and everything was going great. A lot of silence at the dinner table, but I don't mind that. No. And then uh, Linda, my wife, her dad said, Dan, I'm going to give you a gift. And I'd only been here for a few weeks. I thought, oh, what a lovely thing to do, mm. my future Svigafad. And uh, he said, yes, I will never speak English to you ever again. <laughs> I thought, oh, right. And then that was it. And that was the gift. We had, a few, we had a few great years in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't really understand each other, and then it's gone downhill from there. Yeah. So you're not really speaking to each other anymore? <laughs> <laughs> no. No, I actually studied languages at university and, and did a few things. So my, I, I don't have a bad ear, but I did make, I don't know if it's, oh, speaking of regret. Yeah. Uh, I never did formal Norwegian classes because I, I was, I just thought I'd teach myself because I, yeah. So that went well. Yeah, right. So we got prata lite norsk, so människor kan liksom förstå mitt nivå. Men jag snackar ju, jag har liksom en dialekt. Det har jag hört. Trøndersk. Väldigt trøndersk, ja. Ja. Jag har hört på, på podcasten. Ja. Well, it feels more yeah. comfortable speaking English. Or are you more comfortable with it? Well, it's, comfortable is an interesting word because there's degrees of fluency, right? Yeah. Like, I can play the guitar. Yeah. Now, I'm not Eric Clapton or insert cool uh, current reference. No. <laughs> I'm not like a virtuoso guitar player, but I can get the job done. Am I fluent in guitar? John, well, John Mayer. Was yeah, the, John Mayer. Is, yeah. that, is that what the kids listen to? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he's brilliant, to be fair. I know about John Mayer. Yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah, I speak Norwegian and I speak it good to a relative degree. Yeah. But my ability to express myself is limited. I've got fewer tools in the toolbox. One thing I worked out quite 
well, you know, he's get better over the years. But one thing I worked on relatively worked out relatively early on was that I'm very funny when I speak Norwegian. Yeah. But not in the way I want intend to be. When I first <laughs> moved here, I started I couldn't get a job and etc. And in the past I've been like a marketing and uh, sales guy and for big companies and stuff. Anyway, yeah. I moved to Norway and couldn't get a job. Went to Nav in my suit. In a suit. Yeah, with That's my cool. C V in English. Yeah. And they went, great, this looks good. How's your Norwegian? I said, it's non-existent. And they went, cool, you can uh, peel potatoes or deliver newspapers or work in a kindergarten. Yeah. And I thought, oh, well, I might as well do that. And I got, I really loved it because you speak Norwegian all the time, obviously yeah. at the same level as a two-year-old, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. And then with all the staff and the colleagues you speak, and uh, there was a guy from Buda, there was a guy from Molde, mm. There was a guy from Bergen. There was a guy from um, Grinlöka. Yeah. And so just the differences in dialect between those guys is unbelievable. Just the word I, mm. right? Yai. You can say yai. You e. can say e. Mm. You say ah. Mm. You can say egg. Mm. You know, that's just that's just the word for that's I. Just one word. Yeah. And then do. You know. You, you know. There's there's such incredible um, variety in uh, in the dialects. It's an amazing thing. And two languages, for God's sake. Yeah. But I decided that I'd take little bits of each of the dialect and kind of put them together and make my own thing. Yeah. Which was which I thought was great. But you sound, well, you sound insane. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a bit of a... Yeah, but you sound good, though, when you well, speak yeah. Norwegian. But if you want to really sound like a Norwegian, yeah. you have to pick a dialect that's specific to, like, one valley or one maybe... 20, 30 kilometer radius geographic zone and then yeah. speak exclusively like you're from there, then they'll think you're Norwegian. Yeah, that's true. Otherwise, like, you've far, got no far east, like the west line, yeah. You yeah. pick some weird uh, dialect there. Then they'd believe like you. simpler, yeah. Because that was always my goal when I was at university. I did French, Spanish, and Catalan, and then I lived in Brazil and yeah. I learned Portuguese. And my goal was always to try and talk for, with somebody for as long as I can before they went, hang on a minute, where are you from? Yeah. You're you're not Brazilian or yeah. whatever it is, uh, and you've got zero chance. Oh, I have zero chance of doing that in Norway. It's true, but but the comedy that uh, part <laughs> where you you are you funny in a different way uh, talking Norwegian was that what you said? Yeah, well, you say the wrong things, and then it's you know whatever. Yeah, okay, so that's yeah, but that's not how you want to be funny. I'd prefer not to. No, right. <laughs> Yeah, you just you just limit it. It's like a painter, but you've only got three or four colors, and you're kind of finger painting. Yeah, as opposed to in English, when I'm a that's I true. Don't know what I am, but I feel the same Good. way now when I'm talking English. I'm thinking a lot more. <laughs> yeah, when I speak it, and I find it's hard to have my own personality uh, talking yeah. English. Yeah, you're dead right, mate. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm putting you through this. No, but I and I, your I, listeners, it's a cool challenge. Too, because I I've always been writing songs in English and that's cool. Yeah. But it's a weird way it's a weird being myself. Yes. Speaking it. I understand that. Yeah. And songwriting is an interesting one as well. Me and Chris, so I assume most of your listeners don't know who I am. You've done an intro though, haven't you? Yeah. yeah. Now they still don't know who I am. All my listeners know who you are right. uh, now. Okay. So I yeah. play well, I guess at this point if you're if you're still here. I'm. My name's Dan. You don't sell you, you. You sell yourself short. This is a combination of uh, classic British understatement, yeah. like ironic understatement, 
and an attempt to ingratiate myself to your listeners by being overly humble. Yeah. So, also, I'm, I'm a bit nervous. It suits you. You are? Well. Still? It's, I, I, re I really respect that you've built a listener base over how many years? Is it? I know it's 141 episodes. It's uh, three years in October. You see, that what an, what an incredible achievement that is. It's long. It's a long, long ride. Yeah. And imagine you're, listen, you're like, oh, I love this podcast, my favorite podcast. And you turn it on, you're like, what? Yeah. What language is this? Is this the right podcast? These are all my expectations have blown out the water. Who is this yeah. Invandra? <laughs> this interloper? I think they like it. Well, I guess we'll find out. It's a lot judging by your metrics. When it's a lot of Trøndersk and Oslo-based... I think it's. Um, I've had one Swedish guest. Mm. I got a lot of good response on that. That was like refreshing. Well, well, you never know what's going to happen here, then. No, but I, I find it refreshing. Yeah, I tell you what, I like one of the things, and I, I think your listeners will agree with me. Yeah, it's your little intros when you kind of do a bit of. It's quite. It's very personal. Little bit of small talk. Yeah, in the beginning. In yeah, yeah. and that for me, that's the bit that I imagine that they. Uh, connect with emotionally and why they keep coming back. Yeah, maybe. I think it's really, really nice. I talk about everything there, big and small. Yes. Last time I talked about uh, strawberries. Yes. That when, <laughs> when I was yeah. little, I liked strawberries and cream. But yeah. yeah. I was listening to the one, it's a recent one, and you were just going how tired you were. And you were explaining, I, I'm clad. I cried. Clad for <laughs> yeah. summer, which is a trund, trunded. You might, I tell you what, you might get your first ever English listeners on this. Yeah. I mean, Opening I mean, you up I, to a big international audience, starting and ending with my mother. But That's why you're here. <laughs> yeah. Well, hello, mum, by the way. <laughs> Good luck. I like that. Good luck with the previous 140 episodes. I actually got um, a lot of negative feedback on that oh, no. intro when I talked about I I don't think people want to hear that, uh, that you're tired. Oh. Apparently not. They are like, I want to hear the guests. <laughs> I don't. Ah. Some of them liked it, but I was like, why? Many people said, uh, why don't you just take a break then? But I, it was just a bad. It was just a bad day. And, and well, it's bloody lockdown, mate. Yeah. Anybody who's got through this deserves a bloody medal. Uh, absolutely. It's absolutely mad. You know, we've got a, a daughter. She's two. She's wonderful. She's not listening. Although her English is unbelievable after lockdown, you should hear it. <laughs> cool. She's absolutely amazing because <laughs> I was teaching her English all the time. Yeah. Anyway, and she uh, she got a bit of the sniffles on Friday, just a little bit, you know, and a little bit of a cough. So, okay, keep her home for five days. And five days with a little kid. I have no idea how we did 50 or whatever it was. No. I have no idea how we did that. Because uh, when it was just five days, you started reflecting on that. I just couldn't wait for it to get back to the No. <laughs> I love it to death, but come on. 50 days in a row, how the hell do we get... So point is, I'm not surprised you're tired. I suppose your listeners are also tired and they, they want a form of escape. Yeah, I, th I think so. And want, yeah, I want this to be like a free, like some, yeah, well, free then space. I'd ask, yeah, you see, this is, this is the bit that's been really interesting to me as I listen through. And the first time I heard about it, first, you said it was called anger. And I thought, well, I'm not a very angry guy. And no. then, oh, no, you don't mean it like that. Mm. <laughs> you mean regret, remorse. Is that a better word for it? Remorse? Well, it's kind of the same it's thing, the isn't same. it? Because everybody interprets the word differently anyway, just listening to your guests. Yeah. And it's things big and small. 
a lot of people think the podcast uh, still after three years they think it's called angst like anxiety <laughs> like haven't you then you can't have been listening no but it's the same roots isn't it yeah and it's the same room as well i mean with yeah, with the bad uh, emotions i understand why people uh, combine anxiety with my name as well because i've been talking openly about that for five or six years yeah so it's the first thing that comes up when you google me <laughs> it's anxiety <laughs> you know I, just on the on the subject of first thing that comes up when you google we'll talk about this but me and my mate chris have made an album in lockdown that's about it's a concept record based in the UK in summer of 1998. It's a weird, really specific thing. And it's a Britpop record that we've made in our bedrooms. Mm. And it's kind of an homage, a love letter to the bands we used to listen to. Anyway, there's one that I really love, and we both really love, called Shed 7, which is in the Britpop, certainly in Norway, people know Blur and Oasis and maybe Pulp. And yeah. That's, like you, that's your top tier. Top. Shed 7? Yeah. So then you've got a secondary tier of Britpop bands, which would be people like Suede, yeah, and maybe I don't know. You, you take your pick. There's a ton of them, but then you get a bit further down, and you get into the real deep cuts of bands that were bit pop. Anyway, there's this one called Shed Seven, and when you Google them at the top, it goes, it goes Shed Seven <laughs> were part of the Britpop band, and then there's only another sentence which is pulled from Wikipedia, and it says they never reached the commercial success of bands like Pulp and Oasis, and that's it. That's hard. <laughs> Imagine that. That's, you work. That's for, you put out seven albums. You work your entire career. And then Google just goes, yeah, they just, they're defined by being less successful than other people. Because we're making this 90s record and we wanted to make it super 90s, really we should be releasing it on a mini disc if, if we're going to really follow through with the 90s concept. Yeah. Is it possible? I don't know. No. <laughs> well, you, people sell tapes, like bands as merch. Yeah, cassettes. They'll yeah. sell cassettes, yeah. yeah. But at least there's a, there's a higher probability that you'll be able to play a tape than you would be able to play a mini disc. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because can you have it? You can't have it in a CD player. No, it looks a bit like a Game Boy cartridge. If you remember those, it's the, yeah, I, I, it's like it's a, it's that small. Well, it's like a little floppy disk. Yeah, and it was supposed to be the really big thing in about ninety seven, ninety eight. Anyway, vinyl is is a good example of a defunct, let's say, an anti- antiquated an, yeah, format. Absolutely. But it's great because you can put it on the wall and it looks really cool. Yeah. A, a mini disc in a frame <laughs> wouldn't really do it. It's too small as well. No. And I like the history of our band is catastrophic financial decision after catastrophic <laughs> financial decision. So in a way, it would be really true to the the history of the band yeah. to do something as as catastrophic. Like I've got... <laughs> this is a great one. When we made our third album... Uh, you know, not loved. It wasn't. Well, you know, it was. It was funny going because it was an absolute. Uh, it was a mess making that record. It was a really interesting time, and this is what I want to talk about with regret. By the way, is that my uh, artistic output? But um, yeah, I've still got, and this isn't an exaggeration, at least one thousand copies no. <laughs> in my basement of the CDs. That's so sad to look at. It? <laughs> yeah, but I can't bring myself to throw them away. No, of course not. And what I assume is that my daughter, you know, I'll eventually grow old and pass pass on and all that, and then they'll go down. The kids, they'll go down in the basement and go, "What is this?" Yeah. Will be the first question, and they'll go, "Well, we can't throw it out." And then it'll go in their basement, and then their kids, will, you know what I mean? And a hundred years from now, it's still, it, it will be in our basement. It'll be in somebody's basement. 
That's a nice it's, thought. Nice and it's a legacy. Thought. Yeah, it's absolutely. It's my legacy. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's just that record that you get a thousand copies of. Yeah, everything else has has gone. Yeah, which is really annoying because the second album, which was kind of our commercially successful second album, we had a big. I hesitate to use the word hit, but it's it, it wrecking it, ball. Yes, yeah. it has. It's the the song that kind of took us where where it took us. It's that a was great, the one. Great song. Though. Well, that's really kind of you. Yeah. Uh, thank you. And it's got over a million streams, which was a great day when we hit a million. That was great. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, we have a vinyl of that, and I don't have a copy. You don't? No. You can get them like on eBay for about one pound. <laughs> so I could get them. There's a guy in Australia for some reason who's got a bunch of copies, so I could get it shipped over from Australia, but I don't have it. I've got the other two on vinyl. You should buy it, though. I know. Yeah. I really should. I can, it, yeah. Is it embarrassing to buy it? <laughs> <laughs> no, not at this point. I can, I can buy it and give it to you no. as a gift. I tell you what, Chris, my uh, vocalist in the band, he yeah. does have a coffee in his basement, but it's signed to uh, some fans. Okay. <laughs> so it's like to whatever, Sigurd and Yenny, <laughs> lots of love from the band in permanent marker on the front. Oh, yeah. And I don't know what happened, but I guess those fans... They <laughs> didn't want it. Maybe, maybe we were presumptuous in thinking <laughs> that they did want it. But I can't have... I, uh, yeah, I could have... It. I, there is a copy of the vinyl, but it's been ruined by me, and I don't want to have that on the hall. No. Mm. We have to talk about this album. Uh, maybe first, today there is uh, a single coming out. Yes, today. Today, th- Friday. Friday the 19th. Yeah. The single's out. Yeah. Also, congratulations <laughs> oh, for that thanks, one. Mate. Well, yeah, because you've heard it, haven't you? I have. Yeah, I me. really liked it. Oh, thanks, mate. And That's I really love. Nice. Um, you played it at home, all of it. Yes. So the story goes. I don't know if you remember lockdown. It was quite a big deal. Yeah, it was something. It was. It was the craziest thing, certainly in our lifetimes, but maybe the craziest thing. Since what World War Two or something? Absolutely, globally. Yeah. Anyway, everybody knows about that. And um, here's the story: Me and Chris, we've always written these songs, we've, and uh, we've written three albums, and blah blah blah. And uh, Chris used to live next door to me. Literally, we could see each other from the windows. It was, it was quite cute. <laughs> uh, and then he moved up north for this uh, to uh, with his missus and his kids, and um, they live on a little farm now. Uh, oh. near like misfired outside a border arctic circle yeah and a uh, tiny little farm and anyway when lockdown hit everybody low everybody started doing live streaming and stuff like oh, yeah. every musician i've going. been i've been one of them did you what yeah. did you do we were actually pretty lucky because this um, venue in uh, brugata called uh, waterland mm. they did a lot of sessions and with a lot of great crew and a lot of camera angles. Oh, and it, awesome. it looked cool and sounded cool, so we were lucky to be a part of that. That's great. Um, because we didn't want to do it uh, just in the rehearsal room with a yep. cell phone. We yeah. just didn't want to do that. But, but That's really nice. Yeah, I'm happy about that. It's good to have a document, like something that's from the time that's documented. Absolutely. Because what we, we, the truth is, me and Chris are, one of the things that we're good at is just the two of us. We've done a lot of two-band shows and we do, you know, we're quite good at that. And yeah. uh, 
we would have done absolutely tons of it because we lived next door to each other. Anyway, he doesn't. So we thought, we see all these people live streaming, we're thinking, oh, come on, let's try and do something. So we, we did, <laughs> we're at a point now where we're just having fun. So we ended up doing karaoke covers. Yeah. There's this app called Smoola where yeah. you can yeah. film each other side by side. And we did a series of cover versions on Instagram, not asking for any money or anything, just just having a laugh. And uh, I don't know why, but we said, we're going to do something every day until lockdown ends. Did you sing Shallow? No, we didn't do Shallow. We started with World in Motion, yeah, which is a 1990 World Cup football song because we thought that was funny. And then we ended up doing tons of them. And eventually we did Spice Girls 2 Become One. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Which we thought was hilarious, yeah. and we were really enjoying it. And then it became we got quite into it. It was because there's nothing to do in lockdown. You know what it's like, and we're losing our minds. So we were having fun, and we thought maybe we should be putting this energy into making a new record because we were in the middle of a little tour when lockdown happened. Because you were, it was kind of a comeback for you. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, kind of. You've so been we, away for a couple of years. Well, yeah, five. Yeah. So, we did. so that's the comeback. Yeah, uh, it is, yeah. kind of, right? So what happened with this? So this is last summer. Chris, we haven't done, haven't released any new music for four or five years. Chris is going, please, can we, like, in a nice way, can we do something, please? Because he's like mountain wild man of the north. Yeah. But also weekend rock star. Yeah. Chrissy Dobbs wants to get out there and do his thing. Sure, okay. So we, book, we booked a gig at a small place called Revolver in town, in Oslo, mm. and it only takes about 150 people. Now, we've sold, you know, 1,000 tickets at Rockefeller in the past and stuff, but we hadn't done anything for so long that we thought, we don't think we're going to be able to sell out. We don't think we're going to be able to sell 150 tickets. So what we but we thought we might do. So we booked, secretly, we booked the Friday and the Saturday night. Um, but we didn't tell anyone about the Friday. We just reserved it in case we didn't sell out the first one. Yeah. And then we'd just cancel it and pretend it never existed. <laughs> And we were saying, right, if if we, we put them out in the beginning of August on a, whatever day it was, and we said, right, we've got five weeks to sell it out. And if we if we sell it out within five weeks, then we'll put out the next night. And if we don't, then we'll just pretend it never happened and that's okay. Yeah. Um, and then they sold out in an hour and a half, which was a complete shock. That's amazing. Yeah, complete shock. And it was. It was really special. Uh, uh, just wonderful and then the second one sold out in the same time just gone instantly and wow and then we did the shows and it was just the retrospective stuff and it was so lovely because I've had a difficult relationship <laughs> with the music and the band and the whole thing Yeah. Uh, and it just was like oh this music means something to people it, it, it did it's a small number of people but it means something to them what a wonderful thing. So then we started writing and we wrote some really funny songs that were kind of lampooning ourselves a bit and just having loads and loads of fun. And then we thought, well, let's make a record. Why not? Actually, because we'd had a f we got some fond money. That's funding from the state to make an album. Yeah. And they give you uh, 80,000 kroner for this fond, which is like, that's amazing. Uh, but they gave us the money in about 2015. <laughs> <laughs> the they give you the half the money first and they're like you okay. if you don't make a record you're gonna have to give us the money back oh no you're gonna get a bill yeah. so like, okay that's the worst reason ever to make an album but i'd want to avoid getting a forty thousand bill so let's make a record which is i think is all the best art comes out of situations like that 
And then we uh, we started doing it and we started doing some stuff in the studio and then we thought we'd do a little tour to make some money to pay for the rest of it type thing. And then lockdown happened after, in the middle of the tour. And then we thought, blah, blah, blah. Everything went up in the air, you know what it was like. And then we started just making demos in our bedrooms. And then we started thinking, these are really good. And then we started, we wrote 40 songs in, um, we started at Easter, we wrote 40. And they were all... That's a lot of songs. I know. It's yeah. the most productive. It was, well, there's nothing else to do, mate. No. Right, literally. And then these... But it's well done, 40. That's a lot of, that's a lot of music. Yeah, it was, a, it was crazy. The most, yeah. And it was... I haven't had that much fun since probably 2011 in terms of making the music. Was it also because there was no kind of pressure on it? Precisely. Yeah. We said, it's, it's me and Chris and Joachim, uh, who's the guitarist in the band. Yeah. And... He'd like we we start he'd like make little MIDI tracks and then we write and then we this song any good is this the right BPM and then throw some guitars over it and everything was MIDI but we were loving it yeah and then we compared it with the music that we'd spent money on in the studio when we were making the record before and it was loads better yeah it was <laughs> and it was free yeah so then we just started toying around with this 90s concept thing and summer 1998 and this whole thing came around and now the first single is out today. It's called the 132 to Hempstead Valley Drive. It's about a bus, and it's a little tale of, you know, teenage romance. And that's kind of the record touches on what life was like yeah. to be 15, 16, and having your first drink and being with girls and watching the football and World Cup and getting knocked out on penalties by Argentina and uh, working at the supermarket in the car park and falling in love with the girl at the checkout and you know, falling in love with on a campsite with a girl that you've only known for four days and you think it's true love. Yeah. And it's obviously not. So there's a lot of pathos. When you listen to it, I've listened to a lot of the songs, You, it's the universe that I, I don't know that, <laughs> the universe that you're dragged into, but all from the first single uh, that's out today, I feel, I feel like I'm a part of it, like looking in on that unknown thing for me. Um, and I really enjoyed it. And also the sound of it was, I think it's perfect for oh, the concept kind. that it is. Well, that's definitely true. Yeah. And it, it, it's, it's the, you call it the lo-fi lockdown? Lockdown lo-fi. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm a marketing guy and I just really liked it because it's got two L's in it. Yeah, it's really cool. But it's, it, it, the point was, well, yeah, lockdown lo-fi just means we wrote it all in lockdown. The album could never have existed if it wasn't for that set of circumstances. I actually thought I'd never make a record again. No. I, di I didn't write songs for about five years because I kind of, we did these three albums and then it stopped being fun and then I looked back on the records that we'd made and there aren't any that I think are. Every single one has got stuff, I, like songs I regret on it. Is that what we said when we were doing this one was, I just want to put a record where, I want to make a record where all 10 songs you can stand behind. Yeah. And I wouldn't skip any of them. And they could all go in the live show and, and exist. Because every single record has had at least three, at least three songs, which never should have made it. And you play them once at the release show and you never play them again. <laughs> So I'd say that a third of our recorded output just never should it just should be in the bin. That's a bad feeling. Yes. Yeah. As, well, this we we're not really a normal band. I don't think. Like I, 
I've spoken to a whole bunch of other songwriters, and I always tell them how I write and why I write and what I write and stuff like that. And they look at me like I'm from Mars. Yeah. Which is weird. Yeah. Because the band is a strange one. Where me and Chris lived in Brazil and we lived this amazing, amazing time. I met these two Norwegian girls and then this is the short version. We ended up here with no friends and no money and no job and can't speak the language and all the rest of it. And so for the first few weeks, we played Pro Evo Soccer on the Xbox 360, yeah. uh, playing exclusively as England in a World Cup on the hardest difficulty. And then we, and you're not allowed to cheat. Okay. And after about three weeks, we did it. We won it. Yeah. And it was really difficult. And then it was this massive achievement, and we thought, well, what the hell are we going to do now? And Chris didn't have a job. I got a little job, this is before the Barna Hugget, where I used to put up posters for bands yeah. around Oslo. And there was three or four bands we used to put up. Real ones from Bergen, which is a terrific band. They had a, this is in two thousand and eight, and and Alexander Rebak. Yeah, put up the Rebak posters. And uh, do you have one of those in the basement? <laughs> <laughs> I used to. Yeah. I used to. But they went. I had about a hundred real ones posters as well. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Uh, and I think we got paid about, I got paid about 100 kroner an hour. So Chris turns up and he's got nothing. And he was going, can I get a job putting up posters as well? And so I went to them and they went, no, it's only one job, but you can cut it in half if you want. <laughs> so we did. <laughs> and we went around and we'd, after about two hours, we'd earned enough for a beer. Yeah. <laughs> so then we sat outside Park Theatre in town, which is, that's where we were putting up posters for. And outside Park Theatre, which is an absolutely amazing, wonderful venue, there's a big uh, placard, like a huge, huge poster that's got, here's the bands that are playing yeah. uh, over the next couple of months. It's a really cool poster. And we were looking at it and going, we should start a band to get on that poster. I want somebody else to put up my poster. Yeah. And then we went, okay, well, let's do it. And we didn't, like, we'd written some songs separately and stuff, and we used to play all the time at house parties in Brazil and stuff. And uh, then we were like, right, we're going to start a band, and we've got nothing. We've got no songs, no, no, don't even know any musicians, never mind producers and stuff. And so we got this book, which we call the Casmelo Bible, a red cover on it. And on the the first page, it's got the, the Casmelo Ten Commandments. Of which I think there are only three. Yeah. And it's like, have fun, make decisions quickly. And well, there's a couple of others that I probably can't repeat on the radio, but they're essentially saying, give it everything you got type thing. And then before we had anything, we wrote around, what do we want to do with this band? Mm. Number one, well, we want to be on the radio. What's your radio station called? P3 is the one. Okay. We want to have singles on P3. Number two, What's the coolest venue? It's like Rockefeller. Okay, well, we want to sell that Rockefeller. What's your coolest festival? Oh, uh, yeah, that's the one. Okay, we want to play main stage. Uh, yeah. Well, we want to sign to a major label and we want to play in different countries and we want to da 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 da. And that was huge in, plans, though. Yeah, and then we were like, right, that's well, what we said was that's Z, that's point Z. Yeah. And we're at point A. Now, we have no idea how to get to Z, but we know how, what C and D and E are going to look like, so we just need to get from A to B. And then it kind of started like that. Anyway, we did all of it by the end of 2012, all of it. Shit. Yeah. And we were on the TV and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then we 
when that happened, and that was because of Wrecking Ball, really, and we signed to Sony and we did all this stuff. And uh, and then we did it all, and I, f- and I thought I'd feel brilliant. And then I felt rubbish. You did. We did it all. And then I was like, right, well, it feels like if this was a movie, this is where the credits roll. Oh. It's like Rocky goes, yeah, we did it. And then it's like, oh, I guess we'll just do it again. Yeah. What's, so, what's next? Yeah, well, and then you're kind of, you're in the industry. And when you're, like, on a major and stuff, it's a bit different. Yeah. Like, I can't, probably can't really tell you the stories. But let's just say there was strong demand for a hit. Yeah. We need another wrecking ball. We need another hit. And if you can't do it, see you later. That's a horrible way to make music, isn't it? Well, it didn't produce very good results for us, that's for sure. No. But th- I think that's particularly with the third record. We were writing for other people. The first songs we were writing were literally to do a job. Yeah. It was like, this is a vehicle and it needs fuel. And the fuel is songs. So therefore, if you're going to be able to do a tour, you need to have an album yeah. to tour. And if you're going to be able to charge more money on the tour, you need a single. And if you are going to make a single, you have to do it this way. And so that's what we did. And then, yeah, and then you've kind of fast forward 10 years and you look back and you think none of those records were, that I, I admire them, <laughs> admire them. I appreciate them as projects because it is incredibly difficult to make a record, never mind three. Yeah. Really, really tough. And we did it. And that is awesome. Now, you look. I look back and I, I can't listen to them. Oh. I remember the first time I was in the studio with a guy called Shud Lee Said, who's a wonderful producer and a great songwriter in his yeah. own right, and you should go and listen to his stuff. And I remember first time ever in a studio with a real guy who's made a real record. Wow. And I was going, if I was you... I was like, how many records you made? And he's going, like, four. I was like, wow. And, he, and uh, I was going, if I was you, I would do nothing but listen to those records on repeat and just just bathe in the glory of my achievement. I was like, how often do you listen to him? He said, never. No. And I couldn't, that didn't make any sense to me because I was like, but the pride, the pr- surely, <laughs> just yeah. the ego of it. He's going, no. And now I completely understand that. If I wasn't in my band, I don't think I'd listen to my band. Oh, really? Imagine that. Yeah. That's a weird place to be. But now then? I'd go to a live show because we are really good. Yeah, but the record coming now, would you listen to that one? A hundred percent. Yeah. This, this, which is why I'm so grateful. Lockdown's mental. But this would never have happened without it. And this is like, I never thought I'd make another record again. And that was it. Yeah. And, and I didn't write a song for a long time. I thought that I'd like maybe lost that, and you know, did you try or were you just done? N- no, I was done. Like it had loads of dust on it. The guitar. The lads were laughing at me when we started doing this because <laughs> you can see my fingerprints on it. It's just been hanging on the wall for years. And uh, this song, sorry, this record. What one of my guiding lights was right. Well, in nineteen ninety eight, I was fifteen. I can tell you exactly what I was doing. We used to go around to Matt Whiteley's garage. He had a garage in the back of the garden, and that's where we would hang out. And they had a pool table and a dartboard and, and loads of like copies of FHM and Loaded and Maxim and GQ and all those yeah. lads' mags of the late 90s. And we would... I could tell you what we listened to on the hi-fi. And my goal was that 15-year-old me 
would put that on in Matt Wiley's garage and the lads would like it. And that was it. Yeah. It wasn't really... It was that and just to have fun. And who cares what anyone else thinks? I could picture it. It was so... Um, it, it, it was like a movie listening to this. Oh, that, that's what we were getting. Well, that's... Yeah, that's, that's something you can say and yeah. I can't say. <laughs> you can. Well, it's kind of what we were going for, yeah. right? We wanted to make something that was authentic both in the sense that it was uh, true to the sound and the feel and the structure and even the lyrical content and all of that because it sounds like a testament of that time really. yes but also we were going for that it would be it would sound like it was made in lockdown yeah like you can hear you can hear it basically so we were, and then all the instruments are midi that's the other thing yeah like the idea of, of of a respectable rock band releasing a non-studio album that's just MIDI demos, that MIDI for those who don't know the lingo, is just really rubbish drum loops and stuff that like you get on the basic garage band if you're a Mac person. Yeah. Like a joke. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. What is your uh, relationship with regret? Well, I don't I, know if, that, if that's correct English because in Norwegian I say "kadit forhold te anger." That's okay. What's your relationship with regret? I've been thinking remorse? about that uh, question for weeks now. <laughs> I don't know how to put it. <laughs> oh, mate, well, I completely understand, and I think <laughs> yeah. you've said it perfectly. Thanks. Um, what's my relationship with it? It is, I think. What I'd really like to talk about is, is the music, because I think that's kind of what's probably most interesting about me to the listener uh, in this context. Mm. Uh, so I'll talk about that. I think on a larger level, I'm 37 now, and I'm pretty comfortable with who I am and what I've done at this point. You're 10 years older than me. Am I? Well, you got a long way yeah. to go, pal. Yeah. No, it's rough. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hit 30 like a ton of bricks. You did? I, yeah, it was bad. And then... Um, because I thought I'd wasted my time. I think one one of the primary motivators for me as an individual, or has been historically, mm. a desire, a frantic desire to avoid feeling regret when I'm older. Yeah. And I hit 30 and I just thought I'd blown my 20s. Uh, which I don't really think I did because, you know, it's all part of life's rich tapestry. But the two, the two big, you know, they say you you regret the things you don't do. Yeah, you know, all, there's a lot of cliches around here. Oh yeah, and uh, regret is a 
cliche. Yeah, and the cliches are, the cliche the cliches are there for a reason. It's funny being a dad now and having a young daughter and all of that stuff about oh you, you don't know your own capacity for love until you go you never you just don't know what it's like till you get your own kids and you get to see life through their eyes and really again all that rubbish it's true. Is completely accurate. Yeah. I have nothing more insightful than all the stuff you've already heard about that. No. Uh, but they do say you regret the things you don't do. And there's, there was two really big defining decisions in my life that I, where I took massive, ridiculous risks. And I think I got both of them correct. And one was my uh, wife, which is an interesting one. And the other one is being a musician and doing it. If we take the wife. So here's a really short version. Yeah. I grew up in England and I, I studied languages and then I got out of uni and I went to uh, Kellogg's. I was a cornflakes guy. Really? Yeah, yeah. I was a territory development manager. For... I should wear my Kellogg socks. I wore them yesterday. <laughs> You've got Kellogg socks? Yeah, I, I got Mate, Kellogg socks. Keeping the dream alive. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I was like a, a traveling salesman type thing. Cool. And I'd drive around like supermarkets and try and get them to sell more Cocoa Pops or whatever. And uh, I woke up one day, I was about 23, 24, and I was like, I cannot, this cannot be it. No. i tell you what happened, actually. We were, I was on one of these sales meetings, and there's like 200 sales guys, whatever. And uh, I, they go, so uh, some, uh, talk about whatever, everyone's like sat down like you're at school. And they go, Dan, he's been here for two years now, come up to the front, Dan. And everyone gives you a round of applause, and they gave me like a little plastic K. To put on to put on my suit jacket. Cool, <laughs> that's pretty cool. That's a cool K though. Yeah, yeah it's a great. It's one of the best. <laughs> yeah. And then they were like, and uh, it's a bit like Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah, <laughs> they go, they go, okay. serial sellers anonymous. And they go, uh, ten years in, you get a K that's made of silver. Oh. And then there was a guy who'd been there for thirty years, and they gave him a K that had loads of diamonds in it. Yeah, <laughs> real diamonds. Real diamond, like it, I don't know how much it cost, but it was real. It was like, thank you for your service, like, <laughs> like you're in the army. Yeah. Thank you so much. Blah, blah. And he loved it. He loved it. And he was so proud and he was so happy. And I looked at my little plastic K thinking, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. Surely there's more. There's got to be more. It's a long way to those diamonds yeah. as well. And, and then that was, that was pre-regret. Yeah. In fact, I regretted that I, I didn't like it. And I, I just really felt like, I'd wasted time. Like I'd, I was kind of zombie walking through life towards getting a mortgage, getting a car, getting yeah. moving in with the girlfriend. Da, 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 just by, I could see it and I didn't want that. And so I quit and moved to Brazil. This is the short version. And I did the volunteering thing and I was, you know, it was brilliant. And then obviously I ran out of money and then I got a job. And then I was out on my own because that was the reason I went to Brazil was I didn't know anybody and I didn't have any money and I didn't have any friends and it was as far away as I could get and just as far out of my comfort zone as I could get yeah and I made it work and that was kind of what I wanted to do anyway and then one day I'm out in um uh Salvador da Bahia which uh in Pelourinho which is a like where everyone goes to party in this big city in the northeast of Brazil and I was out on my own doing what was what was called when I was growing up sharking 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 which is when you, <laughs> which is when you're out looking for romance yeah yeah you know yeah and just trying to get to know people 
But the reason it's called sharking is you have to keep moving forward. You know how like they can't sleep there? They can't move forward or they die. That's true. Right? That's the point. That sounds horrible. <laughs> well, it's an ocean of rejection. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. A beautiful title uh, of yeah. something. <laughs> I was just extending the metaphor. <laughs> anyway, and then uh, there was these uh, lovely looking uh, young ladies in a queue for a thing. And I was going, you know, oh, oh hi, where are you from? It's kind of rubbish openers. And they were so lovely. And there was, I think, four Norwegian girls. I think it was four. They'll be upset with me if I get this wrong. One was Amelia, one was Astri, one was, I think, Maria, and then Marin, maybe. And these are all, like, really close family friends. Sorry if I got it wrong. And they were like, oh, great to talk to an English guy. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and they went, do you want to come to our pool party uh, because we've got no guys coming and there's 17 Norwegian girls and it would be really great if you could just come out and hang out with, you know, talk English and stuff. Do you want to come? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. And anyway, I get to this party and I'm in the lift and I recall I was talking to myself in the mirror going, just take it easy, Dan. There's 17. Just, just take, don't, just play it cool. Don't latch on to one. Just, just play it really cool and you're going to be okay. Anyway, obviously what happens is I meet this girl called Linda immediately who could not have been less interested <laughs> and that was obviously very attractive. Yeah. And she was brilliant and she was funny and she's all these things. So I this I'm 24, she's 21, something like that. Anyway, she was only there for 2 weeks and I fell completely horribly horribly in love with her. Disgustingly against my own will in love with her. Against yeah, wasn't my choice at all. Against the shark's will. Against the will of the shark. Yeah. And uh it was a nightmare because she just was not interested. Also, I didn't own a mirror and I dyed my hair blonde. Oh, yeah. But it went orange. Okay. I should probably throw that in as well. <laughs> and then in the favela where I was like hanging out and doing all the stuff, everyone just thought that's what I looked like. So nobody ever went, Dan, what the hell are you doing? Get a haircut. And I didn't have a mirror and it just didn't matter. Anyway, that's my excuse for why she didn't like me. This is the short version. So fast forward two weeks and I'm telling her that, look, I know we've only known each other for two weeks. But I know enough about me and I know enough about you to know that you're about to fly home. And if we were to stay together, this thing is on train tracks. It's only going one way. And, you know, and I was right. I also proposed to her really early on, like after a few weeks. Yeah. She said that was a ridiculous idea. <laughs> Turned me down. But we did get married in the end. Who's laughing now? Yeah. <laughs> Nobody. No but, uh, nobody's laughing. That's not the point. So, uh, yeah. And then I ended up doing loads of crazy stuff and moving to Norway and taking that risk. And it was right. That was true. That was a... It would have been way easier to just be like, yeah, see you later. But I was right about that one. I got that one right. So that's good. And then the other one was I had this around the same time, really. When I moved to Norway, it was like, right, I want to be a musician. I don't really know any musicians. I don't. That wasn't a thing in the milieu where I, where I grew up. But I really wanted to do it. And I knew if I didn't try, I would regret it for the rest of my life. So I got the two big ones right. But the, the music it is a very strange position to be in where you've got loyal fans and listeners and all of that stuff. And they, love, they like us and that's great. And there's people with tattoos of the band and it's great. But they like the band more than I do. Hmm. They like the music more than I do. We've got some good songs, but there's so much 
of the material that we've put out that I just think, I don't, I do, I, I personally strongly dislike that music. Yeah. And that is a rough thing. When it's kind of over, I'm doing air quotes there. I'm not really an air quotes guy, but I'm going to do it again. It looks good. Over. Yeah. Uh, and you look back and you think, well, that's not very good, is it? I don't like that. I'm not listening to that. No. It's rubbish. So the 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 regrets you have um, are more. If I don't do this, I would regret it for the rest of my life. That those are the kind of those are the those are the big drivers for the story of my life. Yeah, uh, is a desire to not blow it. <laughs> yeah. When I was about 17, this is a weird one. I ended up on a canal boat with a motivational speaker. <laughs> yeah, that's a weird one. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird one. <laughs> And he did this thing where he's like, you need to, if you need to visualize and you need, if you believe it, you can achieve it. That, you know, that kind of thing. And there was even the brilliant cliche of uh, karate chopping through wood as a metaphor for breaking through your own resistance to go and remodel yourself, you know, to self-actualize. There's a quote, what is it? No man can remake himself without suffering. For he is both the marble and the sculptor. It's it, you, it, but it is possible, and I've always believed that you can, you can impose your will, on your life. But anyway, he says this guy. This is a bit of stoicism there, because because there's there's only two realms, only two domains: the internal and the external. Yeah, and you can't control the external; that's chaos. But you can control your interpretation of events and your how you react. You have control over that. Yeah. And the idea is that it doesn't matter how bad your circumstances are, you can still find joy and you can still find purpose. So this guy, I'm on this canal boat, and he's he says, write down, close your eyes, write down where you want to be 10 years from now. What do you want it to look like? And I didn't really have any idea. <laughs> so one of the things I wrote down was, I wanted to make a hundred thousand pounds a year by the time I was thirty. I don't know. I think it's because that's about what my dad earned, and I thought, well, if I could achieve that, then that would be able to give me the platform to live the life I want to live. Yeah. But it was a really stupid thing to aim at. Similarly, with the band, it's a pretty st- kind of a stupid thing to aim at to be like, well, what do I want? Success as defined, like material achievement, not. I want to express myself artistically or make art that I'm really proud of. It wasn't that. It was, no, I, I just need to do whatever it takes to be able to get to that point. Yeah, I want to be successful. Yeah. But do I regret it? No. It got me here in this room with you, Sivert. Yeah, it did. There's one thing that I'd like to mention. Mention it. Okay. I don't know if this is rude, but we're doing a podcast that's not rude. You have, yeah, we have to talk about that. Well, yeah, because we've never done a podcast before, but then no. we've never done anything that we're doing before. We're just going with it and just yeah. having a good time. And so we're doing a podcast that's like uh, an accompaniment to the album. Because in the 90s, you used to have B-sides, and we wanted to have B-sides, but you don't really do that in the Spotify days because it messes with the algorithm or, I don't know, yeah. it's whatever. But we'd, so we're doing a podcast as an accompaniment, and uh, the first episode is out today. Cool. And you, these are podcast listeners. What's the podcast called? Is it the same title as the... Yeah. It's called Summer 1998, the podcast. We kept it pretty... That's cool. It's a really specific thing, though, with a start and an end, you know. Is it available everywhere in the podcast uh, apps? Yes. I'm going to say yes. Yeah. I have to go and do that. Yeah. But I guess so. I just have one last question for you. 
Um, who do you think uh, should be in your seat in another episode of Anger? You know, there's. I think the first guy that comes to mind is a really wonderful, interesting guy called Craig Visselman. I don't know if you... Never heard. Okay, so he's... I don't know how many records he's put out, about 15 or something. Yeah. And he is an incredibly lovely and very, very interesting man. Although I think he's Norwegian. He'll probably do his in Norwegian, but he is American. Now you should go listen to the podcast and the single that's out today. Thank you very much for saying that. I really appreciate it. Thank you for coming. It's been a real pleasure. Det var Dan och mig. Nu snackar jag norsken. Det var jag tyckte det var otroligt fint och bra man så otroligt fina perspektiv på ting och en helt otroligt fin fyr. I dag anbefaller jeg selvfølgelig å sjekke ut Casa Morellos nye singel, som heter The 132 to Hempstead Valley Drive. Helt utrolig bra låt. Og så er det bare å glede seg til den nye plata kjem, som heter Summer 1998. Og så må dere selvfølgelig ut podcasten med samme navn. Vi høres neste vekka. Hej. Produsert av Rubicon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.